Welcome to the August 2nd, 2023 episode of the Winning Never Sleeps Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Brian O'Donnell. On today's shows, I'll be touching on some NFL news, as well as breaking down risers and fallers in my rankings at each position. But first, let's hear from Fantasy Sports Docs. I want to tell you about a new company, FantasySportsDocs.com doing something no one has ever seen before in the fantasy football space. I know that almost every league, including those that I play in, has a trophy, belt, or ring for the champion. FantasySportsDocs.com has come up with something that's incredibly unique, affordable 30-for-30 style documentaries about your league's playoffs. I know what you're thinking. This has to be expensive, right? Wrong. Prices start at less than $20 per team in a standard 10- or 12-team league. In fact, some leagues low $79, and that's an incredible deal. It has to be time-consuming, right? Wrong. It only takes about three to five minutes per playoff team per round where you answer a series of questions on their easy-to-use video interview platform. You can even do as many takes as you want before you submit your final submission. Just imagine it's your year. It's your first or your 10th championship. A trophy or a belt is nice but you can't watch it again. It just sits on your desk collecting dust. You can't taunt your teammates from hundreds of miles away by sending them a link to the video just to remind them of your championship. Trophies and belts don't tell your playoff story, but a fantasy sports doc does. Check them out at fantasysportsdocs.com today. NFL News. Okay, so in Buffalo training camp, uh, the Athletics' Joe Puscaglia reports James Cook has worked as the Bills' far and away top back during training camp. He added, Cook seems destined for at least over half of the offensive snaps this season if he continues to play at this level of play. So there's definitely been a a drumbeat uh, for James Cook in the fantasy community, uh, as well as from... Bill's offensive coordinator, uh, Ken Dorsey, referring to James Cook as a three down back. I personally don't see James Cook as a three down back. I'm not, I, I don't know why this is a thing. You know, he's not, he's not the biggest guy in the world. Okay. And, and I understand the mindset of, well, just because he's never been a three down back doesn't mean he can't do it. But this isn't a guy who's just new to the, new to the NFL. This isn't a guy who even did that in college. He was a complimentary back in college. Most of his work, even in college, was in the receiving game. There's no doubt that the plan is to use him in the passing game, especially with the injury to Naeem Hines. But I have a really hard time believing that a guy like James Cook could go around, you know, that he's, that he's going to be touching the ball 20 times a game. I don't see that as a legitimate possibility. I have a hard time believing that. So while this, this is good for James Cook, and I think that if you take him, you have a higher chance of hitting, I don't see a player. I see a player who could be very good in a real-life football, and he could contribute a lot to the Buffalo Bills because of his skill set. But in fantasy, volume is important. I understand pass catching for a running back is twice as important but volume is the most important thing. 
And I have a hard time believing that he can handle high volume, especially when you factor in the other running backs that they have there. Right. Those guys are not going to be. If James Cook is only getting half the work, is that enough? I keep hearing people talk about Devin Singletary the last couple years. Devin Singletary, for for as much work as he got, was it overly productive? Did you ever feel good going into a week if you were starting Devin Singletary? Probably not. So I have a hard time. I have a hard time jumping on the James Cook bandwagon. I like his talent as a real life player, but I have a hard time fantasy wise saying that, yeah, James Cook is going to be a breakout that he's worth starting or he's worth for me even having on my roster. I mean, the most that I could potentially use him for is like a bye week ESPN's Adam Schefter reports. Cooper cup will be out for a few weeks with an injured hamstring. Um, initially after practice yesterday, it appeared that, uh, Sean McVay was unsure what the injury was, came out later on that it was his hamstring. Never good to see a guy coming off an injury who's already 30 years old. Now the hamstring uh, before the season even begins, you know, hamstrings, you know, any sort of lower body muscle, muscle injury, they can linger, whether it's a groin, hamstring, quad, whatever it is. You know, it's a little concerning. I'm not changing my rankings at this point simply because I would assume that with a month to heal up over a month uh, that his hamstring should be fine for the, for the opening of the season. He is the unquestioned number one receiving target in Los Angeles, and he will continue to be. So I'm not overly concerned. I still have, I'm not changing my rankings in any way, but obviously if, if this is an issue, as we get really close to the season, then I might adjust accordingly. Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson said Calvin Ridley is dealing with a toe injury. So he was limited. Uh, the footage that was on Twitter and social media showed that he was participating. So the limited tag uh, was accurate. Uh, they were just limiting his running and the amount of volume that that he put on, on the toe. So that's a positive from most of the medical experts on social media that talk about injuries uh, as it relates to the NFL. They said it's a positive that he's not completely shut down. Uh, so they think that's probably mild um, and whatever he's dealing with is not, not a huge deal and can sort of be uh, treated and managed while he gets some work, uh, which is a positive. I will touch more on Calvin Ridley as we get into the risers and fallers, uh, but he's somebody who's definitely on my radar. ESPN's Dan Graziano believes Ken Walker will get the bulk of the work in the Seattle backfield. He believes, he believes the team is not overly concerned with Walker's groin injury or Zach Charbonnet's shoulder injury. Neither ailment should keep the team's main running backs out of the regular season action, he said. Charbonnet was a second-round pick, and they think that his role will be most likely in the two-minute or four-minute offense and that they complement each other very well. So, you know, this feels a lot like this is his opinion, Right. He's talking about how the team is saying that they complement one another very well. Well, when I hear complement, that means that there's going to be unique roles for both of them. And we know Kenneth Walker, he could be the guy between the twenties, but the big question is who gets the work inside the red zone. Ken Walker for as violent a runner as he is, was not a very efficient red zone runner last year, particularly around the goal line. That's concerning. 
that was an area of strength for Zach Charbonnet. Zach Charbonnet was also very good catching the ball. Something Ken Walker has not shown an ability to do either at the college or NFL level. So it's nice that, that a reporter believes something and that they, you know, it's nice to know that they don't consider either injury very serious, but I have my reservations about Ken Walker's volume, considering the other back in the backfield. If this was somebody who I didn't believe had talent, then I would, I would feel otherwise, but I think Zach Charbonnet is talented. I think he's an NFL running back. And in those types of situations, typically it turns into some sort of timeshare. Broncos running back Javante Williams has not been limited early in training camp. This is wonderful news uh, for Javante Williams. Um, it sounds like he's been a full go. Uh, he's been participating in full. He hasn't had any issues. Uh, most people at this point would be surprised if he isn't active for week one against the Raiders. Uh, I guess the, the only downside is perhaps they limit his touches early in the season. They did add Samaj Pirine, a guy who they particularly, you know, went out for, they targeted and went out and got, I think it's Javante is the far superior player. I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. Samaj Pirine is a professional football player. He's adequate. He's a good pass blocker, but he's not, he's not a game winner. Okay. If I'm, you know, we go back to the Super Bowl between the Bengals and the the Bengals and the um the Rams, I'm sorry. And who got the who got the ball at the end? Samaj P. Ryan. And everybody was like, why? Like, why? Why are you doing that? Because that's exactly who the defense wants you to give the ball to. He's not explosive. Right? There's no there's no real fear of Samaj P. Ryan. His, his value is when he gets volume. So I'm happy for Javante Williams. I'll touch on him in a little while as well in terms of risers and fallers, uh, but, but very, very high on him. Ian Rappaport reports Bengals running back Travion Williams is believed to have suffered a mild ankle sprain in training camp. Again, more good news for Joe Mixon owners and, and people who are targeting Joe Mixon. It's just another, you know, if Travion Williams is carrying some sort of ankle issue, it's just one, one less, one less player that's in competition with Joe Mixon for touches period. You know, Joe Mixon, I think is as safe as they come. He will see a ton of volume. What he does with that volume it, it, is a big question. Okay. I haven't heard anything about Chase Brown and coming out of camp. It definitely seems like Joe Mixon is the ride or die. I would be curious what their plan is if Joe Mixon were to get injured. You know, they don't have somebody that's proven behind him. So it'll certainly be intriguing. Touched on this uh, last week. Dan Graziano says Seahawks wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba has quote unquote been the star of training camp so far. So not news there. It's just further affirmation that he is standing out and you know, th this assumption that he is going to be third in targets on this team is an assumption. Okay. It's an assumption based off of historical data with the rest of the receivers on this team. Pete Carroll himself has said he will be involved from the beginning. You know, if you look at age and you look at skill set, I could see, I could see this eating into Tyler Lockett's volume. 
That's where I think it comes out of. I think DK has been very consistent in terms of the way he's used his productivity. I don't think he is the player who's going to see the challenge to targets. I think instead it might be Tyler Lockett that takes a step back and Jackson Smith and Jigba becomes the, you know, a higher, uh, gets a higher target share than we were perhaps expecting earlier in the, in the off season. Bears head coach Matt Eberflus said Roshan Johnson missed Tuesday's practice with an undisclosed injury. So this, I think, benefits uh, Khalil Herbert and Deontay Foreman owners. Um, it's a little bit of a mess. The Bears do like to run the ball. I think that's clear based on last year. I think they would still like to run the ball a decent amount. Roshan Johnson uh, was highly regarded for his pass blocking ability. There's been a belief in Chicago that he could be the third down back. If he, if he is injured, then it makes it a much more clean cut situation with that backfield. Deontay Foreman, more of the power runner and Khalil Herbert uh, will, I would presume would be the predominant uh, back in that backfield. Although the knock on Herbert has been from a, a pass game standpoint, he, he was not great in the pass blocking last year. Uh, and nor did he contribute an awful lot from a, a receiving game standpoint. So that was part of the impetus in, in drafting Roshan Johnson or a player like that, because Deontay Foreman's not providing that either. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler believes Baker Mayfield has held much of the momentum for the Buccaneers starting quarterback job. I mean, this is, this goes without saying, I mean, this is, I thought this was a safe assumption, but apparently reporters feel that it's important to, to report on this, I don't think Kyle Trask is a legitimate competitor for the job. I think at some point, if the Bucks are bad, we might see Kyle Trask, and that would be concerning for for the receiving on the team. Um, they do have a pretty good defense. Uh, they do have good receivers. I, my opinion on the running backs uh, is not good. I, I again, I'm not a believer in Rashad uh, Rashad White, but Baker Mayfield is. I mean, he is very shaky at best. So even if he wins the job, who knows if he'll have it for, for the entire season. Uh, but I do think he's competent enough to support at least, at least one, one receiver. And lastly, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reports Bucks coaches see quote unquote star potential in running back Rashad white. I, 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 I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. I just don't get it. I mean, star potential. Is he a rookie? Is he a second year player? No. And no. Does he have a, does he have a quarterback to take, to take a little bit off, off the potential for stacked boxes? No. The guy comes into the league and he's vaunted as a pass catcher. He's playing with Tom Brady, who loves pass-catching running backs. He loves taking checkdowns. And the guy had virtually no role. I, I do not understand this, this hype at all. I think this is insane. I mean, I just don't get it. I mean, he's going as the 26 running back off the board. I have him much lower than that. I, I will not own 
any shares whatsoever of Rashad White. Because I think the best he can turn into is like a low-end RB2. And it's purely based on volume. That's I'm not willing to pay the price of where I think... I'm not willing to pay a price where I feel like that's his ceiling. I just don't think he's very good. So in those types of situations, I don't care how much volume you give somebody. If the player isn't good, it doesn't matter how much volume they get. They're capped. And with all due respect to, to the Bucks, to the Bucks uh, coaching staff, I mean, this is, this is Todd Bowles coaching staff. I mean, Todd Bowles, let's go back and look what he did with the Jets. I think Jets fans would tell you exactly what they think of Todd Bowles and, and the, and, and offensive acumen. I'll put it that way. So risers and fallers starting off with quarterbacks. I'm still very high on my, the eight quarterbacks that I've been talking about ad nauseum. Those are Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Justin Fields, and Aaron Rodgers. I am becoming higher and higher on three quarterbacks in particular and lower on one quarterback. The quarterback that I'm lower on is Dak Prescott. I've dropped him down to quarterback number 14. Okay. With all of the news coming out of Dallas this offseason and even into training camp with Brian Schottenheimer as the new offensive coordinator and Mike McCarthy, you know, preaching about how they want to run the ball more. You know, Dak led the league in interceptions last year. His running prowess has significantly decreased since his ankle injury. And with a reduction without those rushing yards and rushing touchdowns that helped elevate him from a fantasy standpoint, a reduction in pass attempts will have a negative impact on Dak Prescott, a significantly negative impact on Dak Prescott. I don't believe that he has top five upside. Whereas he used to have top five upside. I don't believe he has top five upside anymore. The quarterbacks that I, that I, that I rose above him, I feel do have top five upside. So the quarterbacks that I'm higher on, even though I haven't raised the first one, Trevor Lawrence, he's still my quarterback nine, but he's, to me, he's separated himself from the next pack. So he's closer to the top eight than he is, you know, the, the next grouping of, of quarterbacks. Positive news, watching Calvin Ridley uh, at training camp. Calvin Ridley looks good. Um, his route running is still there. His speed is still there. There's a great video of him and Zay Jones running the exact same route in a drill, one after the other. And it is it is like a a man versus a boy. One one looks much slower, um, a lot a lot clunkier, you know. It was not as smooth. Calvin Ridley looks, he looks like he's, he's back. Let's not forget the last time he played a full season, he had 1300 yards and nine touchdowns. So 
with a guy like Trevor Lawrence throwing him the ball. We also got Christian Kirk there, Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne. This has the potential to be a good offense. Trevor Lawrence was productive last year. He was good. And with the productivity of an added receiver like Calvin Ridley, I don't see why Trevor Lawrence couldn't take that next step into being, you know, an elite level quarterback. So Trevor Lawrence is rising for me, even though he's still quarterback nine. I do think that he has the potential to, you know, to be a top five quarterback if, if all goes right. The next quarterback that I'm higher on uh, than I had been is Geno Smith. He's up to my quarterback 12. A lot of this centers around Jackson Smith and Jigba. And just the overall weapons in this Seattle passing game. I've talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick's season with the Jets when when he had Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall. And the next year, he kind of fell off a little bit. In fact, he fell off a significant amount. And he, he regressed back to his you know, career mean. While I still have those concerns about a Geno Smith, again, this is that range where quarterback 12. So if I'm taking him, I'm probably taking one of the next grouping of quarterbacks as well as, as an insurance policy, as added protection, because they're ranked fairly close to each other. I could potentially stream them week to week unless one of them just explodes and and has a, has a great season. But if I went back and said, Hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick still has Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall but I've also added Jackson Smith and Jake, then I would look at that as a much better situation and a lot less risky from a regression standpoint, because he has another weapon to throw to a weapon who I'm very high on. So it's definitely, there's more security there than I felt a couple of weeks ago, mainly based out of the what's come out of Seattle training camp. Number 13, Deshaun Watson. So I, I rose him a couple of spots up the, the rankings. You know, ahead of Dak Prescott. Why is that? Because this is where he is where I draw the line of I could see somebody being a top five quarterback. Why? Because he's done it before. He has Amari Cooper. He has Elijah Moore. I think Elijah Moore will be the second receiver in that offense. Still is David Njoku, Nick Chubb. Second year in an offense, this time where he doesn't have to sit out for the majority of the season. What kind of impact that had on him last year when he did eventually play, I don't know. You know, I think a, a, a short suspension is very different. You know, if you miss four games, that's one thing. It's another thing where you practice in training camp, then you are away for several months, and then you come back and play a couple games at the end of the year. That probably did not bode well considering people are in midseason form and he's essentially in September. It's September for him. And, and, and maybe not even September because he he didn't practice for months. So if he is what he was in Houston, then I think that that would bode well both for him as well as his, his receivers. Moving over to running back. Uh, I've lowered Jonathan Taylor down to running back nine. This is this is mainly because of the situation going on with his contract. I don't know what to make of this. I would like to believe that it will be resolved before the season begins. But as I talked about in the last podcast, I don't even know how we got here. How, how did they even end up in this situation? I mean, it's a complete mess. 
And if you're playing, like I wouldn't be playing Russian roulette with Jim Irsay. You know, you want to say chick game of chicken or a game of Russian roulette, whatever it is. This guy's not, he's not with it all the time. And if he says you're not going anywhere and we're not giving you an extension, then he means it. Love the player. You know, there are some rumblings that he could be traded. I've heard mentions about a couple different spots, Miami, New England. It's like the same people who are like, you know, checking out all these running backs that are free agents are, are the same teams that are being mentioned. I just, I hope he stays in Indy. I would have reservations if he, if he wound up getting traded to like in New England, because I think that would be detrimental to both him and Ramondre Stevenson. Um, but if he went to a, a place like Miami or Kansas city, something like that, I think that his value would be, you know, incredible just in those, in those offenses, um, as, as a primary running back. The next player I'm lower on is Brees Hall. And I, I kind of couple him with with Kenneth Walker and Dalvin Cook in a group of three running backs that I have as RB 16 to 18, who I'm lower on than I was. Why Brees Hall? Because he's not back yet. Okay, we're getting closer and closer to the season, and I don't think it's clear whether or not he's going to be healthy. They brought in Dalvin Cook, gave him a physical, didn't come to an agreement. If he's in New York, that's bad for both him and Brees Hall, right? There, it limits it limits the potential for at least one of them. And I don't really want to play the game of trying to figure out who that guy will be come December. Kenneth Walker has Zach Charbonnet. And I know that they're both banged up at the moment, but that's that's another reason why I'm a bit lower on Kenneth Walker. He is banged up. And he got banged up multiple times last year. He started and finished the season injured last year. That's concerning to me. And I'm not sure that that's somebody that I want to have on my roster where I'm relying on them to be a big contributor for the, for the team. Three running backs that I am significantly higher on four running backs that I'm significantly higher on than I was several weeks ago before training camp. The first one is Jameer Gibbs. Uh, he's up to my running back number 15. So he's, he's risen five spots in the running back rankings. I am by all reports, he doesn't leave the field. So even when he's not in the backfield, he's split out in the slot. They plan on using him a lot. This is a lot like Alvin Kamara when he was with the Saints. They, they've, we've been hearing that for months about how they view him like an Alvin Kamara. If his usage is like an Alvin Kamara, then he's a top 12 running back. He's very talented. He is a, a wide skill set, a diverse skill set. And if he's not leaving the field, then look out because that means he's going to be heavily involved in the passing game. And we know what that means in full PPR and half PPR formats. 
Running back number 21, Javante Williams. I touched on this a little bit with the NFL news. He's been a full go at training camp. I don't view Samaj P. Ryan as a, as a big uh, hindrance for Javante. Javante is the more talented back. Um, and, I, and Sean Payton offenses are good for running backs. His teams are able to run the ball. And if Javante is healthy to start the season, then fire him up and feel confident in him and as an, as an RB2. So I, I feel very good about Javante and the news that's coming out about him, which is sort of the opposite of what's going on with Brees Hall, right? Javante is getting positive news from a injury standpoint and Brees is sort of, you know, it's sort of unclear. Running back number 22, David Montgomery. So he's risen a few spots in my rankings as well. And a lot of this centers around the news about Jameer Gibbs. So at the time of the draft, they still had DeAndre Swift. They had David Montgomery. It was Jameer Gibbs. You're looking around the backfield and you're saying, God, there's so many backs here. Who? How are they going to divvy up touches? And then they trade DeAndre Swift. Okay, and then it leaves David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. But Jameer Gibbs, even when David, David Montgomery is on the field, is split out. So Montgomery is going to have a role in this offense. Just the volume alone that Jamal Williams got last year is gone. So if he's seeing work around the goal line, if he is getting early down work, then that's really valuable. And let's not forget, I, I know he's unsexy because he, he doesn't have like four, four speed and, and it, it, he's not the most exciting player, but I would bet you, if you go back and look at teams that he was on in the second half of the year over the last like three years, a lot of those teams ended up winning championships. Good around the goal line. Good in short yardage. He's quick more than fast. He's got good hands. So he's not, you know, it's not that they would never use him in the passing game. He, he has the ability to catch the ball and he's a very, very good pass blocker. Excellent pass blocker. One of the top five in the league. That gets you on the field. And that keeps you on the field. So I think there's more safety in him than the players that I that I that I lifted him above, namely Damian Pierce, J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson, you know, to some degree, Miles Sanders and Cam Akers. I know the Cam Akers truthers are all out there, but I'm sorry, I can't do it. As somebody tore his Achilles, I just can't do it. I cannot do it. I might be wrong, but there's a reason why 90 to 95% of people who, who have that injury never come back to what they were pre-injury. And it's even when you're feeling good, it, it'll sneak up on you. It's not, your leg just doesn't feel the same all the time afterward. It is permanently changed. And even if that's from an endurance standpoint, as opposed to an explosiveness standpoint, it's usually both. Lastly, last running back that I'm higher on is Khalil Herbert. So Khalil Herbert has been getting the majority of the first team running back touches in training camp. It definitely appears that he 
will get the majority of the carries in this Bears offense. Obviously, my concern is, is his involvement in the passing game. With Roshan Johnson being banged up at the moment, uh, it bodes well for Khalil Herbert. Right, because he's not losing those touches to Deontay Foreman. So if Herbert is the guy, and it's clear-cut where it's Herbert and somebody else in that Bears backfield, then I would argue that Khalil Herbert has significantly higher potential, um, and he could be absolutely a top top 24 running back before the end of the season. Um, and I would even be willing to draft them that high, but I need clarity. Any clarity on how the touches are going to break down in that, in that offense, because I don't believe the number of touches available to running backs will be the same as it was last year. I do feel they'll, they'll throw the ball a significant amount more than they did last year. Moving over to wide receiver. It's more that I'm higher on certain players than I was previously. The only player I'm lower on is directly tied to being higher on a teammate. Um, and that's Tyler Lockett. Okay. I, I dropped him down to wide receiver 29. A lot of this has to do with my Jackson Smith and Jigba flag plant. Okay. I have Jackson Smith and Jigba up to wide receiver 28. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to get more touches than Tyler Lockett. Just an age thing. It's a training camp report thing. I, I can see them both having value. But I think that Smith and Jigba is going to be heavily involved in this offense and somebody is going to see less touches. And I think that'll be Tyler Lockett simply based on how they do their damage or the expectation of how they do their damage. Other players I'm higher on, Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin has been really consistent. Right, He's gone over 1,000 yards three straight years. He's really consistent. I had him in several leagues last year. He played quite well down the second half of the, the season. He was very consistent, a double digit type of games. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't doing the, the Mike Evans 41 week and five points the next. There was a lot of, you know, 10, 12, 14, 15, nine. It was, there was very like few games where, where it was like, man, this was a complete dud. And he's, he's been doing this with horrible quarterback play. So, you know, the more I see out of Sam Howell and, and sort of the way Washington is referring to, to Sam Howell, they seem, they seem to think he's pretty good. Or not pretty good, but like they seem to think that he's an NFL quarterback. I don't know if he is, but I think that there's enough there. If he can get Terry McLaurin the ball, then McLaurin will be fine. McLaurin will be open. It's just a matter of can Howell get him the ball. You know, I've I've gone on about Dots. Dots and McLaurin are two of my favorite talent-wise. If Aaron Rodgers was their quarterback, I would feel unbelievable about that situation. I'd probably feel as high about Terry McLaurin as I do about Garrett Wilson. But McLaurin's dealing with Sam Howell. But he's so consistent, I don't feel like there's a lot of risk there. Wide receiver number 21, DJ Moore. I'm rising on him mainly because of what's coming out about Justin Fields. I mean, every 
every day it's the same story out of Bears training camp. Fields looks really good. His connection with DJ Moore is legitimate. Like, you have to understand, for people who aren't Bears fans, when we hear training camp reports for my entire life, so I've been a Bears fan since 1994. Why I became a Bears fan, I, I don't know. I'm not even from Chicago. I got got some relatives there who kind of talked me into it and a regrettable decision at some point in my life, but, uh, you know, you can't, you can't change your, your allegiance, at least, uh, at least in my mind, you can't hearing a quarterback looks good in training camp is something that never happens ever. It's always, well, you know, he had some good plays and he threw three picks. It's like, oh, great. That's, that's wonderful. But every day is just positive reports. It's like fields looked great. He looks great. He's taking a step forward. Like my goodness, he's going through his progressions. He's been so accurate. He threw another five touchdowns today. Like everything is just positive, positive, positive. And it's always, man, him and DJ Moore, they're in sync. So if he is the AJ Brown to Jalen Hurts or the Stefan Diggs to Josh Allen, then that bodes really well for both of them. Wide receiver 24, Calvin Ridley. So I've, I've risen him significantly up my rankings. Um, a lot of that had to do with waiting on, waiting on news to see how he looked in training camp. And from everything that I've seen, uh, from a video standpoint, from a news standpoint, he looks the part. He's a better, he's a better receiver than Christian Kirk. I know that he hasn't played, and I know he's dealing with a slight toe issue, but he looks healthy. He looks good, and I'm I'm going with my own eyes as much as anything. When he's running next to these other receivers and drills, he looks like the pro bowler and they look like journeymen. So my expectation is that this guy used to be a 1300 yard receiver. And I don't see why he can't at least be a thousand yard receiver, especially with Trevor Lawrence throwing him the ball. And the last receiver that I'm higher on two receivers that I'm higher on than I, than I had been Elijah Moore is up to wide receiver 39 and Quentin Johnson's up to wide receiver 42. So those could continue to rise as camp goes on, but Elijah Moore has looked good in Cleveland uh, thus far during training camp. And Quentin Johnson has looked good in Los Angeles with the chargers. You know, it seems like, both of them make like a highlight real play each day, particularly Quentin Johnson. But Quentin Johnson has, he's got, he's got a fight for targets. He's got Mike Williams. He's got Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. He's the type of guy who he might make them a, a much better team in real life, but he might do so going for 50 catches for 750 yards and a bunch of touchdowns. So it's, it might not be fantasy relevant, but you know, he's the type of guy who in a, in a different situation might excel even more, but he is probably going to be limited in my opinion, based on the number of mouths that have to be fed. But at the same time, 
you know, you look at a team like the the Chargers, they're going to throw the ball 600 times. So if you have 600 targets to divvy up, you got to imagine Keenan Allen's going to see a lot of targets. Mike Williams is going to see a lot of targets. Eckler will see a lot of targets. But 600 targets is a lot. Could Quentin Johnson see 100 targets? I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. It's just a numbers game, right? 600 split up among a bunch of targets. I, I don't know what that looks like. He might see 100 targets. I don't know. And if he does, what's he capped at? 60-something receptions? 800-something yards? That that's That's my concern. It's typically in order to have a big reward from a fantasy standpoint, you got to be well over 100 targets. Probably in the 120 range. Right? You got to get you got to be able to get at least 70, 80 receptions. You need that volume. And if there's an injury, which historically either Keenan Allen or Mike Williams tends to get injured, it's possible. Elijah Moore comes down to Deshaun Watson. If he's Deshaun, then Elijah Moore is good enough to get a ton of get a ton of work. If this offense looks like they did last year, then I I don't want anybody but Amari Cooper. Like that's that that's the way it would that's the way it'd be for me. But there's enough there where I say there could be something there. And he would be worth taking a late round flyer on uh, at this point in time. And then lastly, jumping over to the tight end position. I've been really high on all the rookies uh, and the you know some of these second year guys. I haven't changed my rankings yet just because I don't think it's been abundantly clear. Like I I haven't felt confident enough in the reports that that have been out there to fully buy into the reports, right? I've heard Michael Mayer looks good with the Raiders. I've heard Dalton Kincaid looks good. I've heard Luke Musgrave is going to be the starter at tight end for the Green Bay. But again, I get conflicting. I see conflicting things about how Jordan Love looks, right? On the one hand, it's like somebody will be like, oh, he looked great. And they'll show a, a video of him, quote unquote, throwing a dime. And it's usually always a bomb to Christian Watson. But then somebody else will respond to that and they'll show a video of him short hopping a 15 yard throw. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of the quarterback there. I've also heard that in team formats or, you know, the, the team uh, segments of, of a practice, Musgrave hasn't gotten a lot of looks. So even though he might be on the field, I don't know how many targets he's going to get. But, you know, the, 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 the news that has been biggest is Mayer, Kincaid, and Laporta in terms of there's a feeling they're going to be part of the offense that they can be big contributors in the offense. But that's going against historical rookie trend of rookie tight ends typically don't have huge seasons. And there's been some weird stuff about Darnell Washington out there where, I mean, they say in the blocking game and like in the run game, he's just been an absolute animal. Like he's, he's like a, like a unicorn. Um, he's, he's bigger than some of the offensive tackles, which I believe. And he's, he's, he could really help Pittsburgh. That's that's sort of more of a real life, like a player who will help the team, his real life team, a huge amount, probably more so than his stats will indicate. 
But the player that I'm lower on, and and I know that this is, you know, most people are high on him. I'm I'm lower on Kyle Pitts. I, he's down in my wide uh, my tight end number six. He might drop even lower. I already had reservations about Desmond Ritter. But I'm really concerned. I don't like the knee brace. Okay. It meant that his his knee injury was not simply an MCL, that there was something else going on. You do not have a knee brace on your knee eight months after an MCL injury. If the issue with your knee was just an MCL or you did something to it in the offseason. I don't like what I see. I don't love what I see. He is not running as smooth as he did. And maybe that's because of the knee. Maybe that's because of the brace. I just don't see it with my eyes. And yes, he might still get targets. But from what I've seen of him, it just, something looks off. It does. It just doesn't look right. It gives me an uneasiness that I that I want to shy away from. I want to I don't want to draft anybody that I feel uneasy about. And when there's like a flashing, there's a flashing red light, like saying, "Look out! Look out! Look out!" like a like a hazard. I I typically don't draft those types of guys. So, yes, all the talent in the world went healthy, but I think there should be some serious questions about how healthy he is. So that's all I got for today. Um, I will be back on Friday. Again, we're going to Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays from now on, three times a week uh, for the duration of training camp. And then we'll get on a slightly different schedule for uh, the regular season. Thanks for listening. Please give me a follow on Twitter at B-O-Donnell-W-N-S. That's W-N-S as in winning never sleeps. And please give me a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you listen on. Until Friday, have a great day.